Hi, and welcome to East Coast Office Hours, where the hot stays hot and the cool stays cool. Cool. It's sort of the song of fire and ice of Fanbyte podcasts. Um, (laughs) I'm, I guess, the fire, Mary Kay. I'm with me, as always, on this one is Ice Ice Baby Danielle Riendo. (laughs) That's that's me. I'm Ice Ice Baby. I was going to say you are from a further northern place than me so i didn't know if you were gonna go with the ice there well wait a second is that true yeah let me look up where rhode island is because (laughs) people are always like canada is so far north and then you know people used to say that when i lived in washington and uh it's uh uh, seattle is further north than uh, Toronto. Yeah, no, I believe okay, that yes, for sure. Yes, you're correct. Pretty I sure am, Rhode Island is, yeah. Yeah, I see, I don't... The Northeast <laughs> states, there's too many of them. <laughs> there's you know? a lot. <laughs> it's like, it gets really confusing. I don't even really know where New York is. It's okay. <laughs> like, if you ask me, like, where's New York State? I'm like, I don't know, like, up there somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> where am I right now? I don't know, up here, kind of. Um, but I will say... Okay, so Providence is at, uh, why won't it tell me the longitude and latitude? Show me. It should be there somewhere in in the information about the world, you know? Yeah, because now I got to know. I know, right? Um, I want to find out the the exact difference because it's not as big a difference as you would think. Okay, it's 41.8240 north. Okay. And seventy one point four one two eight west. Wait, so you said forty one? Yes, forty one point eight two four zero north. Okay, well, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, is forty three degrees okay. fifteen minutes and twenty four seconds north. So, oh, is that how not, you read it? I, I uh, believe life. so. <laughs> Uh, I might be wrong. I'm not a sailor. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I did grow up sailing. Did I you did really? grow up the child of a sailor. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I, I sailed all the time as a kid. I fucking hated it. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, did you get seasick? Yeah. Uh, sometimes. I went to sailing camp, mm. which sounds like a, a thing for rich kids. It yeah. was not what you think it is. It's just like... Sure. We lived in a like a city that has a bay that like opens up onto a lake. And so sailing camp was like you mostly you go it's like a day camp where you learn how to tie knots mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. get in like a tiny little dinghy <laughs> and you sail that around a little bit. Like it's not like you're yachting or anything. Right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It's no more bougie than, you know, really any other kind of of camp. Day camp kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Um, but yeah, no, we were sailing all the time as a kid. My dad was a, uh, he raced, he did sailing races for Whoa. a while when he okay. was, uh, when I was younger and I'd always get really freaked out going on bigger sailboats because when you start going really fast, they turn almost perpendicular to the water Whoa! and you have to climb up on the, the top, like when the boat is really going quickly, it's just like tilting a ton, right? And so you have yeah. to climb up to the top edge and just like lean back to t- to stop the boat from tipping over. Wow. 
Yeah, and you're going pretty fast for a sailboat. So Damn. now I would probably enjoy it a lot more, I think. But at the time, it was like, oh, so you're saying I have to be outside and stuck on a boat with my family <laughs> for like this many hours? And of yeah. course, you know, the adults were like drinking wine and and having conversations and stuff. And I was like, I wish I was at home on the internet. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, But I see the appeal for them yeah. and I, yeah. I would definitely enjoy it now yeah i mean did you were fair. you rhode island that's like a boat place right it is a boat place um i didn't spend much time on boats i just went to the beach a lot 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 of beach for little rhode island baby danielle i had beach like routines i had beach like i had different types of beach days so like oh the ocean ah. was a big part of my life but i wasn't usually on it i was in it but i wasn't on it i was not on top of it i guess is the way to put that basically uh-huh yeah and like growing up in new england um you know obviously once i was like a teenager the beach was like an all the time thing in the summer but also like from being a tiny baby on like we would go to like the coast in maine where it's extra extra pretty um mm-hmm. and just like we would go to beaches from birth kind of yeah it was it was nice, actually. It was a nice thing for me. I liked that, but cool. I can see how sailing could be utterly terrifying. I mean, the main thing that we did that was boat-related <laughs> was going to a lot of whaling museums. <laughs> I went to so many whaling, whaling museums. museums. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, like, historical, like, seaports. So um, about an hour away from the city I grew up in, is Mystic, Connecticut. And Mystic, Connecticut has a huge seaport, which is like a living museum, basically, like a recreation of a like a whaling village from the... Okay. God, I don't know the exact era. I'm, I'm assuming like early 18th century, basically. Uh, but I could be yeah. wrong, and maybe I'll look it up as I talk about this. But it was like a really cool thing, but my dad is such a dad, and he likes to ask like a thousand questions of every person. And this is oh, the kind of yeah. thing where... Yeah, it, it like I my sister and I made up a song about my dad because he asked so many questions. Um, <laughs> but I would come to appreciate it later in life. But at the time, I just be like, Dad, leave them alone. Like, yeah, other people no, want to ask about the apothecary. Um, but it was like a cool thing. And I actually would probably love going back because it has like all like little stores in the village and people's houses. And there was like a shipbuilding area and they had like actual ships that were restored that you can go on and actually like check out the ship and what it looks like and all the little rooms in the ship and like it's actually awesome but of course you know at the time when i was like a bratty child i wanted to be on the beach um there's also a planetarium there and they would talk about sailors navigating by the stars and cool shit like that i don't know mystic seaport is kind of great uh and then we would go to like all the little uh towns in massachusetts like uh uh, Falmouth and Bedford and all these places that had like whaling museums and like whaling history. And so they would have like a huge museum uh, that goes into like the history of whaling and blah, 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 blah. So I don't know. I think of this in like really happy terms, even though at the time I may have complained about going there as much as we did. Uh, it was pretty cool. I'm trying to see if they actually have yeah. a year on this and like, oh yeah, they even had like, I don't know, like what you would use to put out fires and and all the kinds of trading (laughs) things. And like, it was just 
really rad because it's like every kind of building and like the rigging loft and the salmon shack and like oh the, the salmon shack had it's a, a little old place room. where we can uh get <laughs> fish together. together yeah there's yeah. a lobster shack too uh which is pretty cool oh yeah. the, yes. is it a rock lobster shack uh, i hope so uh because uh-huh. i think that uh you know this must have like basically been the inspiration for everything in their uh discography that's what i'm gonna guess yeah but they went to mystic seaport the b-52s uh and they just like went there it even had oh my god all right i just linked to you like it has like a little map like it's disney world and it's like every attraction and all the all the things in the there's chubb's wharf sorry i chubb's just saw that yeah chubb's wharf. wharf is part of this so that's good there's a hoop shop where you can get your hoops for your barrels there's an art spot, which is nice. Uh, there's the Siemens Friends Society. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. So, wow. Anyway, <laughs> you went sailing, and I went to uh, recreated villages of 1800s uh, seaports. So, oh uh, no, I believe guess, me, we both I grew did. up along the sea. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of that stuff too as a kid, like. Whenever okay. I went anywhere with my dad, he would be like, well, tell me about the history of this particular seaport uh, oh, yeah. v- vessels and uh, the rigging, oh, etc." Yeah. We went to Halifax. Um, actually, I think, yeah, one of the only contests I've ever won as a kid was like oh. uh, my uncle took me to an air show, I think, when I was like nine huh. and uh, some... Um, airline had a contest to just win tickets to anywhere in Canada. And so, um, I, w- I won somehow and, uh, we f- went to Halifax of all places and wow. it was very cold, uh, pretty, very pretty, but cold. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we learned all about boats and stuff there. Also a big boating place. Did you know about the Halifax explosion? no. Uh, I do not. It was a big explosion. Um, It happened in 1917. A French cargo ship that was full of explosives collided with another ship. Oh, no. And um, it killed like 2,000 people. Holy shit. It was a fucking enormous. It was at the time in 1917, it was the largest man-made explosion. It was fucking wild like you'd think like oh a boat exploding well it's like on the water it's like far away from stuff it was still like fucking enormous oh my god so it's like the yeah like sort of like the chernobyl of boats exploding it sounds like it would i I, was i say i would say the chernobyl of of boats exploding (laughs) of boats of boat explosions you know if you want to learn about one boat explosion Make it this one because, yeah. <laughs> and you know, yeah, we can talk about it this way because it was nineteen seventy. Sorry, that sucks. So that all those people are dead bad. now. Yeah. Well. Now all those people are dead now. I mean, everybody this dies is, then. Look, this is the thing about history is that <laughs> eventually everything becomes basically okay to make jokes about. Right. Um, right, right, right. Not, I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm not making a value judgment about whether you should or not, but. Right. In culture, that's how it works, right? Like, um, this is just a fucking, uh, I'm just stealing this bit from 
what's his name from Peep Show. But um, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's like when we talk about <laughs> Vikings like raping and pillaging, it's like those are real people that yeah. they did that stuff to. Like, yeah, they like true. they killed and like fucked up people's like that was a, a real people. Yeah, that, that's real people. But like they're sufficiently far enough in the past that it's like, oh, Vikings are just kind of like fun guys who like wear those spiky helmets and like carry off wenches and stuff and it's like so you have to imagine that at some point things that we consider truly horrendous people will look back and be like and be like making gags about them yeah i don't know if i agree uh with the moral judgment of it like i i maybe just because i'm such a tender-hearted tiny baby but i'm still sad about the Vikings. Wow. I'm still okay. sad well, about the 2,000 people be... that died. <laughs> in that well, explosion. I mean, no, that's good. That's human empathy. I think it's just that there's a thing where people have like, um, both like in terms of time and space, it's yeah. just harder physiologically, I think, to have feelings for or about people who, you can't see or don't know or don't exist anymore. Yeah. And um, that is a problem <laughs> because it yeah. makes it very easy to uh, not care about um, people who you don't see and uh, makes it hard for there to be a political will to uh, care for everyone in a society. So, Danielle, there should be more people like you running <laughs> the you. world, you know? Thank you. We should be having memorials for the victims of Vikings. Yeah, um, I think we should. Like, that sucks. I, I, you know, I just have like, and maybe this is just because like I have a child's brain, but like I can't not put myself in everybody's shoes, whether I like them or not kind of thing. That's, like, I will always forever be like, oh, what if I was the zombie getting eaten in this movie? Uh, that doesn't keep me from enjoying, obviously. You still a watch a lot of horror things. movies for someone yeah. who has like... <laughs> Too I would, much empathy. What sounds like a, the far end of the scale of empathy, you still watch like a lot of violent movies. I do extremely. I mean, like I not like like I said on this podcast, but like I say in a lot of places, I have a very complicated relationship to violence. It's a thing. Yeah, where I I both like enjoy violent sports and participating in them, and also like to heal people. So I, you know. This might just be one one part of that where I just have too much empathy and also a fascination with the violence and the gore. So, mm. yeah, that's that's maybe I feel like I uh, learn way too much about myself on podcasts sometimes, uh, like like my jealousy sometimes. And then also my like mm-hmm. weird things uh, about violence and, and uh, horror and all sorts of other stuff. And like, sorry, but speaking of horror, um, I have to just just point something out that I I saw on this map of the Mystic Seaport, which says that uh, in the photography and videography section, visitors are welcome to photograph or record video for non-commercial use only, unless otherwise posted. Here's the horror part, sorry. Editorializing. Back to the quote. The use of drones is prohibited. (laughs) Just like, what is wrong with you if you bring a drone to Mystic Seaport? Listen, you want to get those aerial shots you need those that aerial photography and um so. you can't at the mystic seaport they do have anti-air defenses <laughs> they will shoot your drones down with a uh, cannonball from an they 1821 built, they built those, cannon yeah yeah they built the anti-air 
cannonballs <laughs> that are surprisingly good at hitting small, fast-moving robots. Um, yeah, they. So they're, don't don't they're advanced. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They invested in the tech tree. They built those spinning rocket launchers that they used to shoot the Zerg ships or whatever. Starcraft. Oh yeah. Starcraft. Did you ever play Starcraft? Were you a Starcraft person? Not really. I uh, yeah. I was a console baby, so right. Not right. really. Well, yeah. Starcraft came out on Nintendo sixty four. It did. I actually do remember that happening, and I did I, have a Nintendo sixty four. I don't know how you could play it though. It seems yeah. bad. Yeah, it seems not great. That's but it was like, such a phenomenon. They had to do it. Yeah. Uh, like, I wonder if it was an okay port. I really don't know. I, I remember reading reviews at the time where it was like, well, it's, you know, it, it kind of works. It's StarCraft. They're a grush. Uh, but not yep, really. That, that's how you play StarCraft. Um, it's a, it's a StarCraft 64 is a, quote, port of the game, StarCraft. <laughs> um, 80 Metascore? I'm looking at the... Uh, All right. I'm know. looking at the StarCraft wiki. And um, uh, Michael Morhaime, who is the former president of Blizzard, oh. said that uh, it's clearly a port and the game is not designed for the interface that the N64 provided. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And after that, they were like, no more console ports. <laughs> uh, an outlet called The Game Boys... Uh, gave it a 68 mm-hmm. and said, the game just doesn't measure up to PC standards. It doesn't even come close. So, Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Also, a user named Fox gave it a zero uh, in on July 5th, 2001, saying this game blows. Learn how to play a real star-targy game. So star-targy? That's, yeah. That's what you call a strategy game in space. Yes, a star-targy. Star-targy. Chargergy, yes, it's, which is good. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on there. I don't know. I played. I mean, I I played a lot of platformers. <laughs> I loved me some Mario and Banjo Kazooie on my N64, but now, I also played a lot of Goldeneye. I don't know. That's not the same. Now let's talk about platformers, though. So you had yes. a Nintendo 64. I sure did. And we all know about our friend the plumber we all know about our friend the bear and the bird yes um what about some of the lesser known platformers did you ever play chameleon twist i love chameleon twist but i think yeah chameleon twist is like a genuinely underrated gem of a game with a cool mechanic fun game yeah yeah it has like a very cool core mechanic and that is iterated upon in genuinely interesting ways through the level design. Like, I actually rented it for, like, a week and played the whole thing, like, twice mm-hmm. or three times even in that week and have never forgotten it. And this is probably, you know, 1997 or 8 at this point. And I haven't played I, it since. <laughs> so it's, like, just a fond, fond memory. But I yeah. loved it. I truly loved it. I, I get the sense you've played it or revisited it more recently no i don't think i have i mean i've I've thought about it i've read about it um i remember the second one oh i didn't uh, play the second one the second one you looked more like an actual chameleon (laughs) sure (laughs) instead of just like a weird monster um and apparently people didn't really like it but i don't know that game like 
because the whole mechanic for people who didn't play it was it was a 3D platformer and the way you attack enemies, it's sort of like a Yoshi thing where like yeah. you uh, grab uh, enemies with your tongue and then spit them out. But like your tongue, once you start like extending your tongue, you control it with the analog stick. Yeah. And also it's like, it can get longer and it's like colored. So you can sort of tell at what point it's going to run out because like the color changes over time. Yeah. And you basically just like grab a whole bunch of enemies with your tongue, suck it back in, and then you like spit them out. Um, but there's also weird puzzles where you're like, you attach your tongue to like poles and then swing around. And like the sound that that made is like burned into my brain. Yeah. I'm just like, whoop. Um, also, all the <laughs> levels were really bizarre and like fucked up. Like enemies were just like Oreos and weird yes! bugs. There's a level either in the first one or the second where you're on a billiards table. Yeah. It was uh, very strange, and uh, one of those. I loved the like N sixty four platformers that I think level so yeah. much, and I know like the cookies and candy and cake level is like kind of a platformer thing for sure. But there was yeah. something so like at the time it wasn't as big wonderful. of a thing. Yeah, it seemed like kind of new to to me anyway, as like a Mario and rare kid, I guess. I just, I just loved it so much. I just remember how good it felt to swing around. Like when you used your tongue to like yeah. vault, for, not even vault. Like you, you kind of had a weird circular swinging motion. Like it wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going up and down and I'm vaulting. It was like, like you did like a weird little uh, circular, kind of like a, a, I guess it's a twist. There you go. That was the twist. All right. Well, I did it. I said the name of the game, but yeah, it just that's felt the, that's. That's the chameleon twist. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, we should pay what someone to come on and else? say that was the chameleon twist. There's Buck Bumble, <laughs> which I didn't actually play. Buck Bumble. I don't know that I played Buck Bumble either. I feel like that was, was that like a later I think it was. N64 release? Let me check. Yeah, that also feels that very was like English. late 90s. I mean, well, yes, these are all Of course 90s, it was English. But... It was Argonaut. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it was 98. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, w widely regarded as below contemporary N64 standards, <laughs> but, uh, rude. Oof. Yeah. The year is 2010. Can I tell you the plot of this game? Yeah, please. I wish you would. Okay. <clears throat> the year is 2010. And as the result of a previous spill at a chemical factory in London, England, the insects in the surrounding area have mutated. Several different types of these mutated insects gather together, becoming the evil heard who are bent on taking over the garden and eventually the whole world the game casts the player as buck bumble a volunteer bumblebee that gets implanted with cyborg technology he is part of an organization oh. known as the resistance that is trying to stop the evil herd army buck's missions send him to defend the resistance base attacking herd supply lines while traveling through sewers and eventually fighting the herd's mantis-like queen wow huh wow Really good. So this was story. Argonaut, and they, I think most people would probably know them from uh, Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. They yes. were one of the few companies that made games using the FX chip. Uh, they also did Stunt Race FX and Vortex, and uh, they would go on to make Croc, Legend of the Gobos. Croc, yes. Which I'm Fairly certain was meant, yeah, it was meant to be a Yoshi game. And then Nintendo said, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. 
Um, we, we don't want a platformer where one stick just makes you turn. Uh, that <laughs> makes no sense. We've already sort of established the how controls work in 3D games. Um, and yet people would continue to do this. But uh, yeah. They also did, uh, yeah, they did Buck Bumble. They did some Bionicle games. They did iNinja. Oh, iNinja. Yeah, that was Aww. a thing. People knew about that. They did a game called Malice. I remember Mal. That was an original Xbox, or it was supposed to be an original yes. Xbox launch title, but I think it came later, if I'm not mistaken. It did. It was okay. released three years after it was meant to be released. It did not go very well. It was Argonaut's last game, and they went out of business almost immediately afterwards. Oh, my God. That's upsetting. I'm sorry, uh, Argonaut. Yeah, sorry, friends. Argonaut. But all UK game developers must eventually die. Uh, <laughs> it's just sort of the way of the world. Oh. And uh, I guess we're all rare. very sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're all very sorry for the loss of Amiga. And I don't know. I what Everything I've read about um, the UK game scene in like the 80s and 90s just yeah. makes it sound completely insane i think it's because a lot of the consoles that were popular there are ones that were like home like that were like home computer adjacent or like made by home computer companies and so there's a lot more of like a demo scene and like a a hacking scene and weird shit got made a lot more commonly and also all uk platformers i feel like have this specific vibe to them where there's a like the bottom 10th of the screen is taken up by this huge bar that is just like (laughs) has like little indicators for like number of lives, like number of like gobos collected, like all this (laughs) fucking shit. Um, And they all feel and like look very similar. I think that's probably because of the, like the Amiga and um, the other consoles that were popular over there. Yeah. God. Yeah. I, I had no, (laughs) I had no like real understanding that, you know, people in studios made games until obviously much later in life. Yeah. And also just no, I was such a Nintendo kid that mm-hmm. like I was, you know, I played the NES when I was very young and then the super NES was like my grade school days. And then like junior high for me was all about the N64 uh, into like early mm. high school it was all about the N64 for me. Um, and then, then we got into the dreamcast, my only non Nintendo console, like until adulthood almost basically and then of course everything because then i i chose to work in this field i guess yeah uh, <laughs> the dreamcast like, was my first uh non nintendo console as well oh cool yeah. it just was so special it was just such a special little thing that only lasted a couple of years a special but little awesome. guy yeah. yeah yeah i just have such fond memories of that and the way that a lot of dreamcast games this is weird, maybe, but it just felt to me that there were like little living cities. When I opened up Jet Set Radio, mm. it was Jet Grind Radio here, I know, but um, that and like Shenmue and even like I, I actually really enjoyed the NBA 2K games, like 2K1, oh. I guess. Like there was just a sense that there was life going on in those areas that wasn't just sort of very, very vaguely hinted at. Like, it just felt to me like it wasn't graphical fidelity so much as there was just kind of a sense of life and animation and other things going on in the background 
behind it. Whether or not, like, there's any truth to that or any sort of actual supporting evidence to that, I don't know. Maybe it was just, like, the size of these worlds and my ability to, like, really, really kind of dig into them or the types of games that they were. But it just felt really, really, really special to me and colorful and promising and hopeful so it was I always have like a really special place in my mind for those for for that kind of vibe to them yeah and like I fully accept that part of my reverence for the Dreamcast could be based on the fact that it it died young and Mm. that um maybe if it had sticked around or stuck around people wouldn't be as obsessed with it as they are um and, you know, it was Sega's last console. It was, uh, it came up before the PS2, correct? Uh, yeah, on uh, 9999. And then, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think the PS2 was fall of 2000. Okay. So, yeah. so yeah. it was also like the first next gen console, yeah. like of that uh, kind of generation. And so it was for historical reasons, it was like positioned in this place where like looking back now, it's like, Oh, what a like an amazing console. But like, also it was really good. I think for some reason, Dreamcast games always feel like really fresh to me. And I think that's mainly because when you boot up Sonic adventure, it has that water background and like the really clean feeling music and like the, the Sega chime. Yeah. And, uh, so many Dreamcast games, like even just the Dreamcast UI feels that way too. of just like, Oh, it's like, it's like really like relaxing and like nice vibes and it's thinking it's thinking uh that was dreamcast right it it was yeah i think so and like it was also a product of like a very 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 specific time that looking back i mean obviously i was a teenager at the time but looking back it was like oh maybe one of the last times that felt like relatively hopeful in a lot of people's lives like that oh, was right sure, before yeah. 11 it was like 11 yeah <laughs> it was 19 like the absolute Turn of the latest century. bit of the 90s yeah like yeah. the last couple of months of the 90s into the very 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 early 2000s which just was like it, obviously not like great for everyone that's not what i'm trying to say but like, oh no i know just you politically mean, but speaking sure. america's less innocent dark. it was before the loss <laughs> of america's innocence in like a broad way in a very um, broad and like surface level way, because of course, yeah, America I remember has playing Dreamcast, doing bad things, but like, no, just, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I remember playing my Dreamcast on New Year's Eve on um, in '99, yeah. and just being, and then uh, my, I was at my friend's place, and his internet stopped working, and we were like, "Oh my god, it's happening!" Oh no, Y2K <laughs> is happening, and then we realized that his dad had forgotten to pay the internet bill. Um, <laughs> Oh, and everything was fine. So, oh, that's yeah. God. Well, from '99 to 2020, <laughs> do you want to talk about some yeah. stuff that we worked on this week? Yeah, what? A, yeah, would you like to go first? You yeah, worked on a first. lot of really awesome features this week. Ah, so. so many pieces this week. So much stuff. Yeah. Um, but to just pick one. I want to talk about the interview that Jack Yarwood did with uh, composer Narihiko Hibino, who composed the track Snake Eater, the title track, the sort of James Bond style opening for Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, a song that has since become, I think, uh, very memed 
owing to its inclusion in that part of the game where a snake is climbing a really long ladder and you just hear like, <laughs> what a thrill. And then like, I feel like I've seen that used in so many other, it's just like a running visual gag for a lot of games YouTubers now. Yeah. Uh, that song is really good. And that game is really good. And Hibino worked on MGS2 as well. He composed a Fortune's theme. Um, did you play that? No, I did not. Uh, Fortune is this kind of mysterious woman who has a rail gun. Oh. And um, it, bullets just sort of like go around. Like if you shoot at her, the bullets sort of go around her. And no one really knows why. Um and she's like very cool. And uh, he composed her theme and some other music for that. And he did all these games in the 2000s and then was like st- talking about how he would finish a project and then just feel dead inside. Mm, yeah. Like he had made this beautiful music for games that were about beating people up and shooting people and killing people. And yeah. at some point he was just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And so he left games and started, he opened this like sound relaxation studio where he started doing all kinds of research into like how music can be helpful for people who are ill. Like he worked with some, like this uh, harp therapist who was like doing uh, hospice stuff. Yeah. And um, then he finally, most recently, kind of came back to games by doing these series of albums called Prescription for Sleep. And they're very like gentle, uh, calming versions of video game music, including some stuff that you would think is like really intense, like um, boss music from Dark Souls or like (laughs) music from like 2D platformers. But it's done in this way that's just like really chill. Uh, I thought that was such an interesting story of someone who like just stepped away from the industry because they felt like, okay, well, music can connect with people and it can influence them and it can get them to feel things. And what I've been getting people to feel is like psyched up to do violence. And, um, and I don't really want to do that anymore. So I, it's just, it was such like a, a fascinating story and you can read the full piece on the site. It's called Norhiko Hibino's second verse. Um, and um, yeah, just like by all accounts, a very talented, uh, thoughtful guy who yeah. has uh, had a pretty big impact on games and now is sort of doing his own thing. That's so awesome. I really love Jack Yarwood piece. always has like such good stories. So yeah. shout out to Jack. Um, you know, if you like this story, I would say go back and read some of his other stuff because he's also done some other great interviews. He's done a lot of great reporting on uh, games communities, especially yeah. Fallout, and uh, just looking at all the ways that Fallout 76 players have made that game uh, good, kind of, or or have found ways to play with it that were probably never intended, and that sort of in spite of the game's horrible reputation, they've found ways to uh, to make it fun. Yeah, that's so cool. I love those kinds of stories. I love this story. Um, I've, I've done a new thing, not that new, but since Jordan, thank you, Jordan, Jordan's, of course, our producer uh, on the podcast. Since I am no longer producing podcasts, I have a little bit more time to do like social production. And so I've been trying to get basically every feature on Instagram 
which is basically mm. my way of holding myself accountable to, you know, reading everything <laughs> on the site and, you know, at least listening to – I can't always listen to every podcast, but, like, listening to, you know, portions of every podcast, uh, even if I don't, like, necessarily follow the game or the genre. So it's been really – I actually love it because I feel like I'm getting a, a really good taste of everything that goes up, and I genuinely loved that story as well. I thought that was so cool uh, and just – so fun. I love hearing about people's careers, especially if people's careers go in interesting directions. It's just like a, a, a thing I enjoy hearing about in my life, like especially creative folks like, oh, I did this and I did this. And, you know, I, I had this wildly different job at some point where I, I you know, made this incredible change and, and did yeah. something very different with my skills. I just find that really cool and interesting. Uh, for me, something I really loved this week kind of came about by accident. So <laughs> we had a, uh, a episode planned uh, for you love to see it. And I actually mm -hmm. watched the film. I was in Rhode Island last weekend, so I'm, I'm uh, doing a lot to keep my accent uh, at bay. Every time I go there, it like, really gets quite extreme for a few days. So I've, I've had to do a lot of work this week on that. But I was in Rhode Island and we watched the movie. Uh, for, for the podcast. Like, the night before, it was, like, a fun, like, family event. Like, several of us watched the movie. And so I was like, I'm ready to go. And then, you know, we couldn't... Our guest had uh, some bad news and, and couldn't make it that day. So with, like, 15 minutes to go, we decided <laughs> somehow to instead tackle the 1985 McDLT commercial uh, starring Jason Alexander of Seinfeld fame. Uh, and many, many... Fames. Well, wait a wait a second. Had yes. Seinfeld started at this point? No, Seinfeld started in 1989. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, this was before Seinfeld, and like, what was he his... has some hair here? So yeah, I don't what know was, what was his career like in '85. I have no idea. Like, this was news to me that he like did commercials. I just had no idea. Like I was new to this. I had never seen this before. Everybody else on, on the podcast had seen this many times. Uh, like this is like a classic commercial. Of course, if you haven't listened to the podcast, please do. It's on the, you love to see it feed. Uh, but it is a commercial with Jason Alexander. Uh, it's a musical piece uh, where he is advertising the McDLT, which has nothing to do with BLT, which is also something we talk about, but it's a, a burger that comes in a styrofoam case where the uh -huh. lettuce and, and tomato is on one side and the burger itself is on the other. The idea being oh. the hot stays hot and the cool uh -huh. stays cool. <laughs> Sorry, what I'm trying to keep DLT my composure stand for? here. So it's like McDonald's Mick D, I guess. Uh, lettuce and tomato. It's really just an LT. It's just the okay. McDLT hamburger, even though there's just no connection to a BLT, which is what obviously you would think they're going for with this. There's no bacon. There's no bacon on this burger. So Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, you had asked what Jason Alexander's. Oh, oh, thank you, Jordan. You're you are a saint. Uh, Jordan has has given me some text here to read. Alexander starred in several commercials during the 1980s. Among them were commercials for Hershey's Kisses, uh, Delta Gold, Potato Chips, Miller Lite Beer, McDonald's, McDLT, the Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, uh, Levi's 501 Jeans, uh, Sony Watchman TV, and Western Union Wire Transfer. So I guess he like had a pretty successful career in commercials. Okay, uh, so yeah, not he was, uncommon he was for the 80s. Doing yeah. a solid. Um, he was a working actor. Circuit. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So God, I want to see Jason Alexander advertise PBR to me or I Levi's would, jeans. I'm going to have to look these up too. afterwards because I do want to see him try to sell me these things. And if um, I'm remembering correctly, in the 90s, he also sold the pretzels, like the rolled gold pretzels. And it would always be like some sort of athletic contest with another man. And pretzels he would like do help you do <laughs> sports better. Right. That was the <laughs> that was the uh, like the pitch uh, of, of uh-huh. these. I could be wrong. Maybe it's not him, but I'm picturing him in those commercials. And maybe this is the my brain being fried. But I could have sworn uh, it was rolled golds, rolled, <laughs> rolled gold. Uh, somebody. Uh, yes. 1995 rolled gold commercial with Jason Alexander. Yes. 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 Oh, so mid 90s. Wow. He was big into the the pretzels. It was the fat-free rolled gold pretzels. That's what it was. Yes, that's why he was better at sports. Which your body needs. (laughs) You um, need carbs and salt. To do sports. (laughs) To do a sport. Actually, you know what? I've heard that like, you know, professional swimmers, they'll just eat like a huge pot of pretzels in the morning for to carbo load. Yeah. I actually do believe that. Like endurance sports, like I, I was a long distance runner for um, many, many years. Uh, and like, you do genuinely like. Oh, yeah. No, they eat like big pots gels. of pasta, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we used to do that. Like in, in cross country in college, we would have a pasta night the night before a race, like a big old pasta night and just eat so many carbs. And like when I was doing like half marathon training after about 10 miles, you do need like a little bit of sugar. So I would have the little we t- I think we talked about this once, but like the little um. I didn't do the goos, but I did the goo chews. <laughs> oh, God. Like little uh, Gatorade uh, The Gatorade chews. Yeah. We've talked about th- these. This is an old subject on Fanbyte because I remember, <laughs> like, God, last year when Nikki was talking about NBA 2K, yeah. they you can buy those Gatorade shoes in right. that game for an obscene amount of money. <laughs> uh, see, I'm very into the idea of carbo loading. It's the running afterwards right, that I right, have right. trouble with. Yeah. So I'm halfway there. <laughs> you're you you know I'm you halfway got the hard to athletics. Part. Yeah, you yeah. got the hard parts out. That's the diet the is always part. harder than the than and the then you gotta run. Yeah, then you just then you a, run a, a lot. Eat a lot of just plain pasta. Did you have anything on the pasta when you were doing this? Oh yeah. I mean we would put sausages okay. on it for sure. Okay. I mean so we it's weren't not just like you're eating fucking noodles. Right. No, right. no, no. I like and you don't want to do that day of. Like you want to do it the no. day before. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. want to Because you then you'll have all the pasta in your belly and you'll run slower because yeah. uh you're weighed down by all the pasta. You'll you might get a little sick. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody wants no. uh, the illness of the of the pasta. You just want the uh, the energy of the pasta, and also like it was a fun social event. Like the men's and women's yeah. team. Like we had the same head coach on the men's and women's team, and I trained with the guys anyway. Like the top like five girls. Who is your did. foot coach though? My foot coach uh, was uh, it changed every year actually. We oh, had a, uh, yeah, okay. The foot coach and the. But there's a, just one other person who takes care of everything in between. Yeah, exactly. Like you got your yeah. head coach, your foot coach, and your mm-hmm. mid coach. You know, like you, you're just there's like a mid. You know? Mid. That's like ninety. I mean, that is a lot of the body. <laughs> although I will say, without the head, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. It, it, it's most. You're not. It's not going anywhere on its own without the head or the feet. Yeah. It's but true. yeah. 
you kind of, yeah, you do need all that other stuff too. Yeah, most of it anyway. Uh, if you if you like want to live, <laughs> like you do need yeah, most or run. of the things. You, you need, do need most a of head the things to run. People sure. don't realize this, you but you do need a head. Yeah, I don't know people why they think the like, legs. No, yeah, head. no, you need you need a head. Like most people don't understand this, but you you need a head, and you also need. Um, like balance to run because if you don't have good balance you're gonna you're gonna fall see that's why i trained for ten thousand hours on the wee balance board oh yeah yeah because that's what fitness is about is um (laughs) is sitting very still while a candle is in front of you and if you move too much then the candle goes out yeah yeah that's that is fitness i can't believe i owned a fucking wee balance board Oh, yeah. They, uh, did you play the Tony Hawk game on it? No, the only thing I had for it was like the updated Wii Fit Plus or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I reviewed that and I said it wasn't a fitness. And a lot of people got very upset with me for saying, how dare you, Danielle, say that this is not a good fitness tool when, <laughs> you know nobody's nobody's in shape like you so this is all we have like that was the argument and i was like well nintendo could have made an actual have (laughs) i was like nintendo could have made like an actual fitness app that actually helps you yeah like isn't the (laughs) isn't the other thing like much the newer thing yeah ring fit is real like ring fit is like an actual workout with actual you heard it here first folks ring fit is real (laughs) unfortunately i can't play it because i only have a light so yeah oh that's right yeah i guess maybe i could if i just bought external joy cons and then was looking at this tiny ass screen for like five (laughs) feet away but that's probably not gonna happen yeah yeah that's fair also it's hard to get them nikki today nikki got one after like trying to get one for four months or something so wow oh yeah, yeah yeah they sold out everywhere yeah they're in in high demand obviously because it is a legitimate fitness tool and uh uh, you know, hopefully yeah, it's a not fun just one. a fucking track and field pad, right? Which, it's not a, a dance dance revolution pad. It's not that good for your knees to run in place. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> not for long. It's fine to do for like very short amounts of time. That's fine, but like, yeah, get that heart rate up. Yeah, but just like as as your whole workout, that ain't that ain't gonna do it for my friends. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to be the harbinger of bad news. But uh, Nintendo did get it right later on, so that kind of proves my point. So to all you haters out there who, who hated on me for hating on the original Wii Fit, uh, I was vindicated in the end. <laughs> Speaking of vindicated in the end, uh, Mary, is there anything else you want to address before uh, closing office hours for business this week? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Right, That's it. Good, good week content-wise, I think. A lot of really good Yeah, what a great week. Yeah, well. <laughs> content-wise. Content-wise, yes, absolutely. A very a very good one. A good one for us fanbite people. All right, well, in that case, I think we're about ready to close up our office hours. Uh, please do be sure to rate and review our podcast because it helps us so much, and we appreciate it so much. And if you think we're a five-star podcast, 
why don't you go ahead and, and let iTunes know that and by uh, clicking on those five stars, you know? I think we're a five-star podcast, uh, especially in terms of uh, bang for your buck. You know, minute for minute on this on this cast, we, uh, we're going hard. So that, that's what I think. Uh, I'm going to read the rest of this text. Uh, please do follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, on Instagram at Fanbyte, on TikTok at Fanbyte, and of course on Fanbyte.com. And you can watch all of our good streams, including, uh, if you are listening to this in time, an excellent uh, Friday raid, which I watch even though I don't understand anything about Destiny. Is there any? Uh, is there any pre-raid? Uh, well, talk? you know, um, you don't really need to know much about it. Just uh, come for the the jokes and the yeah. the japes. Come for yeah. the japes and stay for the. Uh, I don't know. You'll find a reason, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's uh, stay for it, the grapes. Good, good. Jordan, as always, Jordo. is here to help us. Uh, uh, Go for it. Stay for the grapes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Definitely real and makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, but those raids are fun. They're fun. And uh, yeah. I th- I think they're kind of enjoyable, even if you don't really aren't deeply invested in Destiny because it is just us fucking around. Yeah. Um, so, I think yeah. they're super fun. I seriously watch them. Like, I have my little Friday evening workouts with my gym friends and I have it on in the Mm -hmm. other screen and I'm like oh you guys are so funny even though I don't understand this game so yeah that's my endorsement that's the EIC endorsement that these things are good (laughs) (laughs) oh awesome uh so yes do watch the streams please and also thank you to Jordan Mallory for producing for providing images for for providing text when I don't even know what to google Jordan you are wonderful and we love you and we thank you so much for producing uh merit where can we find you online i am at merit k on twitter awesome and i am again on <laughs> twitter at danielle ri i i we were both taken away from our twitters for a little while there. we're back we're back they couldn't keep us down <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't keep us out you can't keep a good poster down that's right that's right actually you know what i think i think we should end on that i think we should end on you can't keep a good poster down Office hours are closed for business.